This is the Stories of Strength podcast, a collection of inspiring stories told by women from across Rochdale. I'm Happy Zamzaman from UK Education and Faith Foundation, better known as UK, Together with a bunch of brilliant organisations who are working on the ground in Rochdale, we've gathered tales of overcoming adversity from women who come from all walks of life. Before we get started, this episode contains references to domestic abuse. Hi, my name is Jenny Miller. I'm the Abuse Service Manager at Rochdale Connections Trust and I'm here today with Sharon Hodgkinson who has kindly agreed to tell us her story. So just give us a bit of background about you, name, if you've got a job or any interest, family, you know, what makes you up. I'm a mum of three, two with special needs. I currently volunteer at Rochdale Connections Trust anyway. I'm also a peer mentor. Interests... I'm currently making a lot of things with wool to raise money for Rochdale Connections Trust. I love walking, reading, and I've got two cats and a dog, and the dog is currently doing my nutting. But that's me. Busy family then. Yeah. <laughs> so what's your story about? Um, when, you know, what happened to you? When did so it start? Sorry. My story is about domestic violence, and it started back in... 2002 when I met what is now my ex-husband. I was a single mum with a six-month-old little girl who was severely disabled. Met this man that I thought was absolutely amazing. Said all the right things, did all the right things. We ended up moving in together, having a child together, got married and it was probably once the ring was on the finger in 2004 when I found out that he was actually an alcoholic. Never did drugs, it was all alcohol, but he could be quite violent when he had too much to drink. Okay, so let me just take you back so people listening could understand a little bit more. When you said he used to do all the right things... He'd tell me that he understood me and that he would be there to support me and support my daughter... Um, that he would do everything he could to make sure we were looked after, cared for. He'd be the one that went out to work. He'd rally around the rest of the family, making sure everybody else was okay. And that was basically him in a nutshell at the beginning. So it seemed like a big tick. Yeah. Perfect relationship. You said when you got married, say two years on, was it that you realised yeah. he was an alcoholic? So. Did he kind of cover that up in the first few years? I think in the first couple of years, I only actually saw him drunk once, but he wasn't violent in any way or abusive in any way that time. He was just very good at hiding it and hiding bottles and things around the house in cupboards and different silly places. Okay. When you found out he was an alcoholic, was this was it escalating? Was his behaviour escalating? It happened slowly. It probably got worse once our daughter was born. And it was, I don't know whether he thought he had that extra bit of power because he had something that was his flesh and blood rather than looking after me and somebody else's child. But it just increasingly got worse. But at the start, he did openly get help for it. 
he went to his GPs and said, I think I've got a drinking problem, can you help me? And he did detox after detox after detox. So for you then, there was this man who was quite a nice man and he, he seemed very charming, you got married, he had an alcohol problem and then he seemed to be getting on top of that and doing yeah. all the right things. So what happened next then? What escalated it? A lot of it would be the relationship he had with his mum. Him and his mum didn't get on particularly well and if he'd rung her, because he, he could go off for weeks on end and not have a drink and then he'd ring his mum and she'd say something that he didn't like and then it'd be like, well, I'll just go to the shop and get one bottle and then if I just happened to, I don't know, look at him a certain way or do something that he didn't particularly like, I'd just get hurled abuse. So was it more verbal abuse you got than physical? At the beginning, it was all verbal because um, he'd just be constantly shouting my name and telling me what a crap wife I am, crap mum, no good for anything. And how did that make you feel? At first, I didn't let it get to me, but I think because it was it went on for so long, you sort of sit there and think, oh, I must be, because he keeps saying it, so it must be true. So, yeah, I must be crap at everything. And then I think, well, if I'm that crap, I'm that bad, why is he still here? So what about people around you? Did you have any kind of support where you could go and...? I had my parents, um, but he did make life for them very difficult. He made, if they did come round, he made them feel very uncomfortable. was always having digs at my mum because I love my mum to bits, which can be quite intrusive. So he was sort of, you know... She's always asking questions and she always wants, in our business, wants to know everything. So I did, over the years, lose contact with my parents several times because I suppose I did it for an easier life because it well, stopped some arguments. Yeah. And if my parents weren't there, then it gave him one less thing to whinge and moan about. OK, so then how did it carry on next? Uh, his drinking just got increasingly worse. I at the time was working because when my second child was about six months old I was told I had to go and get a job so I was working part-time he was working full-time but ended up having to give up his job because he was constantly ringing in sick because of his alcohol issues so I ended up swapping roles and going full-time but I'd as soon as my shift had ended, I'd get bombarded with text messages and phone calls. You need to go in and get me this alcohol. You need to go in and get me that alcohol. And we'd already ended up with social services involved because they were concerned about my eldest daughter with things she was saying at school. So with what well, I think once more people got involved in the relationship, that's when the physical violence started. Right, OK. I lost count of how many times the police came round. The first time I actually rang them was because he was drunk and he threw a fridge magnet out my head, which sounds daft, but it hurt a lot. But when the police came, they just calmed him down and then just said, you know, it's just a domestic incident. There's not a lot we can do. You need to stop drinking, sort yourself out, and off they went. So... What was kind of going through you? I mean, how long had you been in the relationship and married by this time? When the physical abuse started, probably married four years. Right, and you, you, you had 
two children. Yeah. And one with special needs. Yeah. And uh, she was going to school and kind of showing concern at school. She was telling yeah. the teachers. Yeah. And there'd been police involvement. So was there nobody there to kind of go, right, Sharon, you're in um, a really bad re- relationship here. Let's look at what, what you're going to do next. To be honest with you, no. Mm. We had social service were involved. And obviously after that domestic, first physical domestic abuse incident, they were contacted and I can't even remember which social worker it is because we had that many, but it was just a case of you need to do X, Y and Z and then gone. Mm. But didn't sort of signpost how to do that or where to go and I was left to feel like I was also the one that was in the wrong, even though I wasn't the abuser, I wasn't the alcoholic, I was just a mum and a wife trying to get through daily life. Keep it together. Yeah, they made me feel like, because I was sort of putting up with it, I've made my bed, lie in it, sort yourself out. Mm. How was your feeling going through all that then? Isolated, because I didn't want to tell my parents. There were the odd people that I worked with that sort of knew what was going on and were trying to give advice, but they didn't want to get too involved. Try and talk to his mum about it, but she was also an alcoholic and she was no help whatsoever. If anything, she just made matters worse all the time. So I literally had nobody to turn to. How did this kind of resolve itself? What happened? The violence got worse and on one occasion he had me pinned up against the wall and my youngest daughter, who was probably about five, maybe six at the time, managed to get in between us both and get him off me. The police came, he was arrested for that, and he was bailed to a bail hostel in Bury, but then allowed to come back home again afterwards. But there was just numerous occasions, and then this one particular time when I was attacked, when I got in from work, um, he'd followed me upstairs and we were, myself and my two daughters were in my youngest daughter's bedroom and he just elbowing me, punching me in front of them. So I just had enough, thought, that's it now, can't do it anymore. Managed to get hold of the police. He disappeared to his mum's house and it was only because that particular police officer that came actually sat and listened and didn't judge, didn't tell me there's nothing we can do. He actually put things in place and he was arrested. I think he spent one night in custody and then he was released again to his wonderful mother's care. Um, but restraining orders were put in place. And yeah, if it hadn't been for that particular police officer, I'd probably still be putting up with it all. Did you think at that time there's a light at the end of the tunnel? That particular evening, yeah. yeah. Prior to that, no. I didn't think I'd ever get away from it all. So from then you kind of move forward did he have any contact with you after that i'd get phone calls uh, on my mobile on the house phone and he'd start off really nice and polite and then as soon as i'd say you know what do you want not talking to you then it'd turn to abuse so i just keep putting the phone down uh, i ended up blocking him on the house phone and my mobile 
then he'd get his mum to ring me instead and going on about he just wants to see his daughter. Um, but when I questioned the social worker we had at the time, she said she'd not heard a peep from him about wanting access or anything. But he, the only way he sort of kept in contact, he set up a Facebook account and he was then stalking my Facebook to get information from there and so I ended up blocking him on that as well. But I think I only actually physically saw him once between 2014 and 2019 when he died. Right, so he died? Yeah. How did that leave your daughter feeling? Did she have any contact with him up to his death? No, she'd not had any contact whatsoever and I'd made it clear to her that if she wanted contact with him, I had no issues with that, but she was adamant. She didn't want anything to do with him because of the way he treated myself and her and her sister. And when I told her, she cheered. And I thought, right, there's going to be a delayed reaction to this. And that was on the Wednesday. And then on the Sunday, she broke down in tears, but was basically saying, I don't even know why I'm crying because he was an absolute barstool. Right. And I just explained that, yeah, he did some horrible things, but at the end of the day, he was still your dad. Mm. And he helped bring you into the world. I mean, there's a big thing these days about the impacts on children. And how many years ago is it since he died? 2019, when he died. 2019, so, yeah. And your daughter's a teenager. Yeah, she's 16 now. So, do you think there's been any impact on her... There was an, quite a lot of impact for probably two years after I got rid of him, she started self-harming. Not detrimental-wise, but she was doing things like pulling her hair out, scratching herself. Um, on one occasion, her friends brought her home and said she just suddenly started screaming out of nowhere and just shouting, get off her, get off her. And she was having flashbacks of me lay on the floor with... Dad over the top of me. So she did suffer quite a lot and she did get help herself through Thrive. And then she also accessed counselling at RCT as well. Good, and she's in a lot better place yeah, now. far better place. So then moving forward, do you think, knowing what you'd gone through and learning, you know, through that experience, did that help you go into another relationship? It did, but I think the main part of... When I went into another relationship was, I suppose I didn't want to be on my own and wanted that company again, but I'd made it clear to this person everything I'd been through and that I wasn't there to be abused in any way, shape or form. If he drank too much, he was gone. If he laid a finger, he was gone. And then through me accessing the Freedom Programme at Rochdale Connections Trust, I started seeing things with him so he was more the controlling side. Um, where? Just, I don't think he liked me accessing RCT because I was learning things. And when I was asked by yourself to do the talk about my experience, he kept saying to me, are you sure you want to do this? Is it not going to bring back bad memories? And it just, when I was sitting in the sessions and listening to things, and I thought, hang on a minute, he does that. And it was just little things like, he was quite nasty to my middle daughter um, if she didn't wash up correctly. 
he'd make a big song and dance about it if she didn't mop the floor properly and it just it ended up she I was sat in her room with her one night and she was just screaming at me that she didn't want to be here anymore and it was either him or her wow so I actually sat down that week on the Monday and worked out all my finances and if I could survive without him being part of the family the plan was by the weekend to say go and by this time I'd had a child with him as well so I had all that to deal with but it ended up the middle of the week I just told him to leave and ended up having to ring my parents to come over anyway because he was refusing but yeah learning things what I'd been through and then learning more through accessing RCT. Mm. Was you happy in that relationship because you know, RCT are not in the game yeah. of kind of saying, oh, it was a rubbish relationship, that look at all these problems. No, th- most of the time, I was happy. Um, we used to go on weekends away together and what have you, and either my parents would look after the kids or his best friend, but I just always knew there was something niggling, mm-hmm. that something wasn't quite right. And I think it made me feel proud of myself knowing that I could see those signs and I got out of it myself rather than going another god knows how many years putting up with it so that sort of answers my next question what have you learned from this experience but if you could put that in a nutshell not to (laughs) I I don't want to swear not to put up with a lot of poo from Mm -hmm. men women anybody but just I don't know, think about yourself and put your own needs first and the needs of your family and do what's best for you and not what's best for them in an easy life. If there's anything you could have changed if you could go back, what would it be? Hindsight's a wonderful thing, but I wouldn't have got married. I wouldn't have stayed with him. I'd have... I think if the the support in the beginning had been better, because we had about 12 different social workers in the space for eight years, and not one of those social workers really offered me any sort of support. I didn't have a clue what Ratchdale Connections Trust was. I found that out for myself through my daughter accessing Thrive. Right. So I'd never even heard of this place. So thinking about your family and friends, what you have around you now... How would they describe you as a person? A lot stronger. I don't take any crap. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Speak my mind. And I'm quite ambitious now. I want to go out and help others not go through what I went through. If there was any words of advice you could give to anybody, you know, who's going through a similar experience... What would it be? Talk to somebody, no matter who it is, family member, somebody you work with, whoever, just talk. And even though I didn't have the best relationship with social services and the police, I know things are improving. And I would still say, reach out. And are you happy now? A lot happier now, yeah. I still have crap days. And the relationship I'm in now is not perfect, but compared to what I've been through in the past, it's like looking at a rainbow every day when you get up, because he doesn't drink, he doesn't, he's not abusive. I mean, it is like being with another child sometimes, but I'd rather have that than the past. Brilliant. 
Well, thanks very much for all that, Sharon, and your openness and your honesty. It's much appreciated. And uh, onwards and upwards. Yes, thank you. Thanks for listening to this Stories of Strength episode. If you've been affected by the issues raised in the show notes, you will find some support information. Now it's over to you. How did this story of strength make you feel? Have you had a similar experience? If so, we'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch with us on social media. We're on Twitter and Facebook. Search We Act Together. Don't forget to use the hashtag Stories of Strength. Or for a less public response, you can email us info at actiontogether.org.uk. These stories are made for listening and to inspire. If there's someone you feel who needs to hear it, please share it with them. We want people across the globe to be empowered by the women of Rochdale. You can also help amplify these stories by leaving us a rating and a review on your podcast app, especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. A huge thank you to the women who shared their stories with us. We can't express how grateful we are that you've trusted us to tell your story. A massive thanks to the organisations who've opened their doors and allowed us to speak to the women they work with. For this series, this includes Deeplish Community Centre, Darnhill Library and Touchstones. Stories of Strength is commissioned by Action Together. It's made with partners from across Rochdale, including Cartwheel Arts, Soul Sisters, UKEF, Rochdale Mind, Rochdale Women's Welfare Association, Rochdale Connection Trust and Rochdale Health Alliance. Thank you for taking your time to contribute. We really appreciate it. The partners receive podcast training delivered by Mike Media and the series producer is Daniel Porter.